What's going on, y'all? It's your boy Bless. We got Ricky D in the building. Let me know, of course. And uh. this is the MOT podcast, first and foremost. Thank you for coming, my brother. Man, it's always a pleasure. Not you only is this long overdue, but I'm excited to have you. Oh, so, man. Well, 100%, man, you know? Respect. We go back a minute. We do go back a few minutes, <laughs> uh, a few lifetimes. True that. Pretty much more than half of my lifetime, mm -hmm. uh, I grew up hearing about this gentleman, uh, mm -hmm. you know, being passionate about hip hop, yeah. wanting to get into the scene as a very yeah. young kid. Um, the name that would always pop up was Ricky D, sometimes Gary T, sometimes yeah. Shahid, but always Ricky D, no matter what, first and foremost. Well, you know, I was, I, was, I was consistently in love with this hip hop game. Yeah. And we were talking off camera. Right. My co-host Lemmy yes, yes. Uh, asked you, you know, Ricky, did you did you ever try your hand at emceeing? Hell no, man. I, you know, <laughs> I, I got a little like, how can I say, old school rap that I do that's super corny. That like it don't even it, you know it doesn't even make sense. It's like I'm Ricky nah. Daly. Yeah. Fuck you, pay me. You know it's like it's like this. It's like how's it go? How's it go? I'm Ricky D from Little Burgundy. Uh. Rock shock, y'all. That's it. Like, that's, that's it. That's it. That's the intro. That's the intro. That was it. That was it. You know. That's the intro. I was never, you know, you know, bless as much as I, I love hip hop. Of course. I decided, you know, I wanted to focus more on the, the business side of things. Mm -hmm. Loving the show, loving the magic that it brings. Mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, especially back then, hip hop was, you know, in its infancy. That's right. You know, it was coming into Canada. Mm -hmm. We all bringing it in from New York, listening to Mr. Magic Rap Attack. Mr. Magic yeah, Marley yeah, Marl, yeah, I let my it. tape rock till my tape Th pop. This is it. So Actually, I got the biggie on right oh, now. That's, See, uh, that was subconscious. That was, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, you know, so that's how I, that's how I got into it, you know. Mm -hmm. We were just going down there visiting family in New York, hearing all this amazing music, and then, you know, being put on by some of the elder statesmen, guys like Butcher T and these guys who were, Playing it in the dance halls. Flight, in, but flight, your tea. Exactly. See, Bless comes from yeah. the old school. You know, Keith and Karen, mm -hmm. WD, mm -hmm. Ronnie Love, these are the kind of guys who were, you know, older than me, bringing it to Montreal, right? So I was just, our DJ Ray was another one that was, uh, I was just, you know, Mike Williams. Mm -hmm. He helped bring in with Butcher T, like one of the first hip-hop shows in Canada. Which was? That was Club 980 CKGM AM. Okay. So it started on AM because back then there was no FM. Yeah. Nobody was listening to FM. FM came about in like the mid-early 80s. It started to come about, but AM was still number one. Wow, dope. So, you know, we were all, you know, on there and I used to go and hang with the uh, Flight and mm -hmm. and DJ Ray and all these guys and um what year was this around? Say around. about eighty two. Nice. Eighty two, eighty three. And who was the station that we're playing like CKGM, which is <laughs> CKGM. which is now it was which is now um nine ninety. Okay. The sports station. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the frequency. So he used to play hip hop? Yeah, he used to have a show called uh Club Nine Eighty mm -hmm. and uh Mike Williams, who later graduated and went to much music and started everything at Much Music. He was the pioneer, one of the original VJs on Much Music. Amazing. Left here. He was originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Dope. He came up here. You know, was, you know, 
as usual, when Americans come up here, it's because some Canadian girl got them. So they came up here. <laughs> They're not here for the money. <laughs> right, right, right. So that's how he came into the city, and he managed to convince CKGM, which was uh, light years ahead. Of course. And uh, to put this show on. Decades ahead. Yeah, decades. And the show like blew up. It blew up, and it helped him inspire hip-hop across Canada. Ricky, what were you allowed to play back then? Huh? Like, what were you allowed to play? What was the censorship rules? Like, what were you guys playing? Well, you like, know, you know, back then, hip-hop was not about censorship. There, was, there wasn't a lot of swearing back then. It was, it was party jams. It was, it was party music. It was all about party music. See, that's a, a common misconception that, you know, although hip-hop obviously comes from the streets right. and was birthed uh, with all the elements of, yeah. you know, everything that was going on, all the wildness in the late 70s, early 80s, and gang culture. However... Early hip hop was party music. That's all it was. <laughs> it was That's what good, it was. And you know? an MC was a, was exactly that. That's the guy he who would, just rocked the party. He exactly. He was the guy who was working with and for the DJ. He was not the front man. That's mm. right. Right. So and then the whole thing about MCing, which you know, a lot of people maybe uh, you know we might know, but a lot of younger cats might not know mm. that there was no such thing as a sampler. No. So they used to loop, manually yeah. loop the break, yeah. which was just the first, you know, couple seconds where there was, yeah. you know, no vocals. So much and, work. And then Cat started to rap on that. Right. And then you that's know. what, you know, we would, we would get shit. the mixtapes from back in New York, bring them up here, mm -hmm. study what they were doing. Of course. And then we started to emulate it here. In Montreal. Even much later, I used to do the same thing. I'd go, I'd go uptown, get like you know five tapes right. for ten bucks or fifteen bucks, whatever it was, and then I'd bootleg them myself with exactly. the double cassette deck. Of I'd photocopy right. them off in that's the library it. at, at my school, and then I'd, I'd, I'd put them on consignment at Taboo Disc where I used to see this, this gentleman. Is exactly. You know what I mean? And yo, they used to sell those tapes for twenty dollars a pop in the mid nineties. So as a young kid, if I could make hundred and fifty bucks from dropping some rap music at a fucking boutique i was fly i was bawling oh man you know the money was good you know expenses were cheap yeah it was beautiful so it was like you know and ten, the culture ten was still got young. you uh, got you far bro, very far bro five dollars you, you had the palace 250 for that, a movie that's right and then you had the two dollar two uh that's slices right. and, and a can of coke for two bucks that's you still right. had like a like a 50 cent left over so, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So that's what happened. So we started to bring it up. And then we started to encourage, um, you know, started doing our own parties, like in the community centers, NDG Community Center, uh, NCC, which was Negro Community Center in Little Burgundy, mm -hmm. uh, LaSalle Community Center. Uh, See, I remember. Potenage Community Center. I remember back then, uh, hip hop events were largely in high schools, community centers, yeah, churches, well, eventually, stuff like that. Eventually, what happened is that, yeah, you know, at the beginning, we were just doing parties, building up our confidence mm -hmm. and building up our understanding of the music. These parties were pretty people. big from, oh, from yeah, what I remember well, here. I was too young then, but I mean, I remember they were getting. A, probably to a point where they're better than a lot of parties now because I feel like the movement was so young and exciting that everybody went like when you guys did something it was it was it was, it was incredible because back then there was there was no colored barrier mm -hmm. now I find hip-hop is so segmented mm -hmm. and, you mm -hmm. know you got the white folks over there rocking it you got the black folks over there rocking it you got the Filipinos over here the East Indians everybody's rocking on to their own little mm -hmm. click. But back then, if you wanted that music, you had to come to us because we were the source. That's right. 
If you didn't come to us, then you weren't getting it because, and and only limited record stores would sell it. Like Sam the Record Man, he started to get into it a bit, and he started to play Fantasagoria was another one that started. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know. Mike's Records. Right. Well, Mike's Records in Cotonage and Downtown Records on Stanley Street. And then Taboo. And then Taboo. And all went on St. Catherine right. under where the Aldo exactly. is now or whatever. So now they were the ones who really, you know, started to bring in what I call the real hip hop. And they started to bring it everywhere. Because, you know, Sam and them, they were touching more of the, the commercial stuff. The, yeah. the rapper's delights, mm. which was coming more commercial, even though it wasn't being played on radio up here. Mm-hmm. It was still commercial <laughs> enough. We were always could, and still are late to the party when it came to hip hop. Commercially, yes, like yes. on commercial radio. Yes. And I imagine that was a huge challenge uh, for you guys because you probably only really had stations like CKUT that was an outlet. They came, they came later. CKUT came around 87 mm. with the Sound Supreme show, mm. which Flight used to host with LDG. And that was a breakthrough show because uh, once Mike left, uh, CKGM closed the doors. And... Uh, there was no more Club 980 anymore. It was over. Um, there was nobody to take it and run with it because I don't know why. I don't know what happened with Mike and them, but it, that door closed. Mm-hmm. And then Flight, uh, Keith and Karen, and um, LDG created this show called The Sound Supreme Show, which was just bananas at that time. Um, really, really street culture. Dope. It was it was insane and and flight was considered to be a genius at that time, you know, because his his ability to hold it down on the mic mm-hmm. on the radio show, not just as a host but as an MC, was it was in, it was retarded. I remember one of the first shows I ever did was not even as an MC; it was as a b boy, as a dancer, mm-hmm. and I, I I used to rock with Angelo. Yes. Remember Angelo and Mur, yes. Shout out to yes. him. So that was kind of my beginnings pre even calling myself mm-hmm. blessed. And I remember one of the first big shows we did was at Lavoie High School. It was mm-hmm. a crazy talent show, ninety one or ninety two. Mm-hmm. I was about seven years old crazy. angelo brought me up there gary t was there and flight was hosting it so these are like my earliest right. childhood memories yeah well you know so how i how i got into the business is um my best friend who lived with me in city housing in little burgundy mm-hmm. he used to live right on top of me i was apartment three he was apartment six and where in burgundy i lived on the corner of richmond street and St. Jacques. I know exactly where it is. Yeah, right there, and I grew up there. Very was, gentrified now. Yeah, oh, <laughs> everything is... That that beautiful church there on yes, the Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, I actually used to go to that church. Of course. Many years ago. Of course. Um, so, yeah, so that's how I got started. My, my, my friend was a DJ, mm-hmm. but he didn't want to hand out no flyers. <laughs> he was like, you know, he just wanted to kick it with the ladies and... You know, get the rock money a party and rock a party, it. and that was Don't it. Don't we all? Yeah, he didn't want to do <laughs> But that's the, not what it takes to become right, Ricky D. Right. That's so, a fact. So, you know, I couldn't rap. I couldn't sing. I couldn't dance. But I wanted to be in. Of course. So I figured there was a way for me to get in, and it was true flyering. Okay. So I started to handle flyers. I became very good at it. I, can, I was I was everywhere. I can imagine your personality yeah, yes. is very well suited to yes. the old school street promotion, yes. getting out there and talking to people, yes. which is so 
important yes. for this culture. And yes. I think now people think they can fly over that with yes. social media. True. But I think sometimes they don't realize social media should just be a, a door That's right. to do what you've been doing for a I, long I time. I totally agree. You know, they they hide behind the camera and they hide behind these these clips and they you know and they base their whole lives on likes. Yeah, you can but, do that, but it's I feel and correct me if I'm wrong, like that's a great tool to open the conversation, but you need to still break bread with people. You, you need to get to know people and you vibe gotta, with you them. Got, you got to you got to shake their hands. 1000%. You got to look in there because when you're building a like on social media, I'm building a like on the streets that's, that's right. going to like me forever. That's right. So there's a different mindset there. Somebody could like something you do, but they're not really into you. 100%. But when they see you and they catch your vibe and they understand where you're at. You can always break bread. Always forever. That's and right. you can also use social media as an advantage to get a scope and yeah. then find out if this person's actually who they say they are. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not like, really, it's, though. It's almost like, no, but it's almost like an intro. Not really, because social media is so scripted and so fake. That's right. The people are showing the highlights. How come I've never seen a clip of when the rent is due and they're yeah. having trouble this coming up it. with that? I never saw that, you though. Know? I never saw that. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors, right? It's all right. smoke and mirrors. You know what I mean? And how you really build a real fan base. People don't realize, right, is that you can have 100,000 likes. But if nobody from your hood knows who you are, then who the hell are you? That's a fact. Hold on. Wait, wait, guys. I, I, I have to interject. I agree with you, Ricky, that that was the way. But now- nah, that's nah. still the way. That's Let me ask you something. If you're, if you're pretending to be something on social media, right? Let me- I'm just playing devil's advocate. And you go in your own like your city- Because I like your way better. And you go in your own city yep. after pretending to be something on social media and posting all of this fake impressive shit and nobody knows who you are, you are a real nobody. Mm-hmm. You need you need to earn your credibility among your peers. When when I was out there handing out flyers, you know, putting the grind in, putting the work in at the clubs three, four, five o'clock in the morning, you know, from a Wednesday to a Sunday for over twenty some odd years, mm-hmm. just kicking it with my folks, right? Mm-hmm. Now you put the work in. So now when you do do this thing, That's people right. know who you are, and they and they come out. And they show you the love. And they know they're not going to get ripped off. And And they know that the money's safe if they invest. And they know they could buy tickets and not have to worry about getting, you know, because a a big thing back then is a lot of people would hop in and hop out and use this promotions thing as a quick hustle and rip people off. I'll give an example. Prime, the the president of the United States, Mm -hmm. when he's up for election, what does he do? He goes out there and shakes the hands of his people. Campaigns. So you know what, bless? You ain't bigger than the people that shake your hand. I agree with so that. So when you when you go and you realize that, that's when you get over. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree with you a hundred percent. And in a promotion aspect, you have to be in the streets. What I'm talking about is the actual artist. Does the artist have that, to be the, there? Uh, the artist got to go out there and shake the hands saying. because the president is the artist. That's yeah. right. You got to go and That's shake right. the hands. You got to go out there. You can't hide in your corners and then think that by you just showing them little snippets of you, that's going to get you through the doors. Mm-hmm. You need to go, right? When when somebody calls and they say, you know this guy blessed Montreal? I say, yeah, I know him. He's 100% certified. You see? Mm-hmm. But if I don't know him, how am I going to certify him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I, need to, I need to be able to feel him. 
So that doesn't mean you sit out there and you're at the corner all day, every day. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you know, or like, you should be a caveman and not right, have social right, media. Right. We're not saying that. Exactly. But I think people get carried away and miss a few steps. Uh, and I think Ricky D is the foremost expert to talk about this. Everybody wants to get in the game. They think what Ricky D does is glamorous, right? They see him, you know, with Snoop. They see him bringing whoever and they say, wow, I want a piece of that, right? They but they want to skip the steps that Ricky D did, and that's why no one's been doing it. Like you it, have I mean. a Johnny Come Lately producer, a uh, uh, promoter every fucking month. Mm. He comes around, mm. fucks up a show, mm. <laughs> turns people off, makes mm. us look bad, and then what happens? They gotta call Ricky D back and say we need somebody who could do this right. Yeah, sometimes you know I'm not telling you in my in my career I haven't dropped eggs. I wouldn't be here if I didn't drop eggs. You know what I mean? It's just it's just the nature of the business we're in. There's a million ways for something to drop. So you just got to be try to have a handle on everything. Sometimes it's beyond your control. Mm-hmm. I get it. I got that. My my thing is is that if you're a young promoter, you want to come in the bit. It's to stay in power. Mm-hmm. It's when somebody puts a knock in your head, can you get up? Mm-hmm. That's to me is the true hallmark of a person who wants it. That's right. Okay? Can you go and sustain a $5,000 loss, a $10,000, a $20,000, and come back? Bro, I made two homes, and I've lost two homes. I believe it. You you understand? And I know enough about this business to understand understand. that, Mm. uh, first of all, the most important thing is consistency as a promoter. And if you're a guy like Ricky who's in this for 20 plus years, the big boys know that they can entrust because if you break even or you lose, they could break bread with you on the next one and so on and so forth. They know that I'm good for my money. And not Mm. only am I good for my money, I'm good for my work. And I'm not going to jerk them around. And you're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) And that comes back to what he was saying off of social media. We don't know who some weirdo is just because he's posting pictures with bottles and flicking it up with one or two celebrities. We don't know. That dude could just shut that account off. You know something? That whole celebrity picture thing is super corny. But but we come from an era where that was like a no-no. You didn't ask no artist. I give you your money and I say, hit the stage. I don't want to talk to you. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. How many pictures do you imagine Ricky D could have with Anybody who's anybody, oh, bringing hundreds of one. celebrities a year for 25 years. Who's the one? one. Who's the, one? the one I had from then was Eminem. Okay. That was it. And you asked I for did. it? No. Just you, happened. Somebody it just happened. I was, was wondering if you Eminem broke the code or not. off my partners back then. They were terrified of him. But he recognized <laughs> I was street. Street recognized street no matter where you are. Always. When they can feel your vibe. They know guys who are just in it because it's a business, and they understand guys who are in it because they're part of the culture mm-hmm. and they're part of the business. Facts. You see what I'm Preach, saying? Preach, bro. So, so he understood that because he punked them off. <laughs> he was like, "Yo, I don't." When you say punked them, what did what? Did, well, didn't take no pictures with them. He's like, okay. "Nah, I don't want to take." I said, "Yo, what's up, man? Yo, what's up? We good? Can I get one with you or what? What's the word?" He was like, yeah, come on, let's do this. And they did it, and boom. And that was spontaneous because normally, you know, I brought people from the roots. I brought Nas here. Of course. I brought them all, man. Be common. Were you part of common sense? Were you, oh my God. Resurrection. I used to love her. Come on. You know what I mean? They don't don't need to know about all that. You know, Big Daddy Kane. Oh my God. Talk about Big Daddy. Is it you who brought Big Daddy Kane, that rare footage that I saw floating around? What, James Lane? Yes. 
I did bro. that with Gary T. Bro. Gary wow. T. Do you is, know is, how is legend that? That's Ga my uncle. Do you know Gary T was the first one who managed me when I was a child? He was incredible. Gary T is still incredible. I can't, I can't, I can't sit in this chair and not pay homage to that man. Oh, I was getting to him. Don't worry. He's, he's one of the guys who put the G in the game for me mm -hmm. and showed me how to go get that. When I first started, like I said, I was doing parties and I was filling up rooms, making some money. And then Gary came to me and said, you want to you know, start doing some shows? Mm. And I figured, well, if I'm doing parties, why can't I do shows? Do you remember when Coolio exploded? Is it you guys who were bringing Coolio? Well, we did Coolio at the medley <laughs> yes. and it was empty. Imagine, it was, <laughs> that I called the Coolio effect. What happened with Coolio is that white people thought he was too thugged out and mm -hmm. they were scared to come there. And the black folks thought he was too weird and soft. And corny. corny so nobody, corny, and so nobody came. <laughs> they parted well, the yeah, seas like Yeah, it the seas. It was empty. <laughs> Me and Gary was sitting there taking that loss. I remember I was a kid. I might have been like 10 years old. And Gary, you know, I used to go to the record store and see Gary boom, 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 spit for him, whatever. He was like, yo, we need to do something. Yeah. And he's like, yo, maybe I'll get you to open for Coolio, man. I was calling Gary. You know, when you're a kid, you have nothing yeah, else yeah, to do. Yeah, you're yeah, like yeah, yeah. watching uh, yeah. much music. Like, yeah, yeah, I want to yeah. get on this Coolio show. <laughs> but uh, man shout out to Gary T yeah. and shout out to you for all your contributions man like thank for you, real man. like thank you know you. were you were you part of that Biggie show I was gonna, well, I was let gonna me, ask, thank oh, you man bus. that Biggie show man yeah. you know please let Ricky me, let, tell me like, let me tell you the story with that yes. so Biggie originally came maybe a year before that to Toronto for a guy named Tony Burntface mm. Tony Burntface was burnt three parts of his body but his face was burnt, so we called him Tony Burnt Face. <laughs> I love you know that. What I mean? That's so, excellent. So that was his name. It's like so a mafia movie. He brought, him, he brought him to Toronto. It was sold out, um, but there was no security. The fans were the security. Mm. So some guys took the mic out of Biggie's hands and started rapping. Mm. So Biggie came down with like two guys. Little C's. So he, and he backed out of the door, and he left. Mm -hmm. Fast forward now. Here comes the new show. Is Gary comes to me. Sorry, is this years? Uh, no, maybe about a year. A year. A year, okay. less than a year. Comes back with the ready to die. Da, da, da. Mm -hmm. So Gary came to me. He said, yo, Ricky, you want to get in on this Notorious B.I.G.? You're like, fuck I'm yeah. I'm like, no, oh, no. Nah, nah. I went, no, nah, man. I don't want to get into it, man. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling it. Ah. She's like, are you crazy? I'm not, I don't know where my head was. But sometimes <laughs> that happens. You missed up, right? <laughs> yeah. So now Gary's doing the show. Mm. Show sells out. Two seconds. He says to me, I told you to get in it. I'm like, okay, I understand. I'm cool. No problem. You know, just take care of me. I'll come in there. I'm going to drink and enjoy myself. That's mm. it. So now he calls me and he says, Ricky, I need you. I said, what's going on? He says, I need you to go to Plattsburgh because Biggie doesn't want to come into Canada. I'm and he's like, stuck at Plattsburgh? He's stuck in Plattsburgh. What happened? They drove in a tour bus, and Biggie brought up all of his gangster friends. Guys he's coming with, to Canada ready this rap, time. Yeah, he's, you know, they got guns in the thing. Yeah, they place in, They couldn't cross. Now, you know, the Canadian government wants to deport one of the guys back to the uh, to the Dominican Republic. <laughs> the guy's freaking the fuck out. You know, they fucking want to finger search him. Cavity search, this, that, dogs, 
The four fucking nine. Yeah, you coming on a right? tour bus yeah. to Canada four strapped. Four nine with like, <laughs> you know, with like killers, right? Guys who just came out In 94, 95, whatever so, it was. Yeah, so now in his mind. He felt like he got punked off in right. Canada. Fuck that. Yeah, I'm coming so, ready. Right. So that's how his mentality was. Mm. So we were staying at the Super 8 Motel just outside of Plasma. <laughs> so mm. I grabbed two girls I knew pretty big banging, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Beautiful woman. You know what I mean? To entice them to come back with us. <laughs> so I get to the hotel. In the motel, I should say. So I'm there now. I go and I speak to his uh, his tour manager. Who was that? Do you remember? I don't remember his name. All I remember is he had a shotgun blast thing where his, mm. his, 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 he was stitched. Biggie? No, no, no. His, oh, tour, his manager tour manager. Okay. Came to the door. Guy looked like he just came out of prison. Yeah. Right? And he had and like he a hit. shotgun blast, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fucking gut was gone kind of thing. But mm -hmm. fucking... Diesel. Dieseled out. Mm. So I'm talking to him. I'm saying, yo, we need to get him into Canada. We got a sold out show. Everybody's waiting. I got some bitches. How are we going to do this? Mm. So he's like, yo, Chris ain't coming to Canada. I'm just like, come on, let's make this happen. Let's make this happen. You he know, goes I'm right pushing. to the border. And anybody I'm could pushing, do that. I'm pushing you were for like it. Muhammad Ali with Saddam oh, Hussein. Man. You know that story? Muhammad Shit. Ali, Saddam no, Hussein, not nah. to take it. Supposedly, not to divert, we're going right back. There was a hostage crisis with mm. with 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 Bush Senior, okay, and he was like locking all Americans, like nobody could go. And then they were like, "Yo, it's gonna be a war if you don't release these Americans." Mm. This is like pre-Gulf War or whatever. Mm. And he was like, "Yeah, only if Muhammad Ali comes." And Muhammad Ali flew to Baghdad and negotiated the release of the American hostages personally. Wow. Talking about being a man of the people. This is it. Back to Biggie. So back. So I went. <laughs> so now. He couldn't make it happen. So he paged the manager. Mm -hmm. Manager called. So I'm speaking to the manager now. Yo, we need to make this happen. Da, 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 da. I got some broads. So he said, listen, you think you can make Chris go? Chris says in Biggie. And then he told the tour manager, take me to his room. So I come to the room. I'm Ricky, are you solo? Him. No, I'm with the two girls. Okay. So we get to the two the, girls, four titties. Right. That's it. And Ricky with D. the tour manager, <laughs> right? Knocks on the door. You see this hulking guy come to the door, opens the door. It's him. I see a bit of soon. I didn't know who she was, but it was Faith Evans. Wow. But I didn't know it was Faith mm -hmm. in the back. Right? You're with two girls trying to get Biggie right, out of the room. Right. <laughs> so I said to <laughs> him, really I go. said to him, yo, let's you know come. Yo, we're waiting for you. It's sold out. Just come get in the car. We got, you know, we got room for you. Brought a special vehicle for you and your, your tour manager. Let's do this. Mm. And he just looked at me and he slammed, he said, fuck Canada. And he slammed the door. Wow. Wow. And I went, and then the guy said, I told you Chris wasn't going to come. I said, oh, fuck. So then I went back to the hotel and I called Gary. It was at the the World mm -hmm. on Mount Cam. And uh, St. Catherine, mm -hmm. which at that time wasn't a gay club. And um, I called Gary and I said, Gary, it's not happening. And I'm going home. I'm not coming there. Click. Fucking Next minute, the Gary. fucking streets were on fire. Yeah. They smashed the windows. They, they tore up cars. They went fucking ballistic. Why? Because he didn't make it into Canada. They People rioted, really wanted to they Really? The the fans the fans yeah, here the fans I right tore everything it. apart. Tore it was everything on the news, yeah. And this made and this made you know uh, the hip hop scene look even worse. Oh yeah, because you know the powers that be were always against yeah. us having. I, this I have right. a question. Um, why did he go all the way to Plattsburgh just to say no? 
Because no, he went they to the border. He, he went, got refused he, at the border because yeah. he had all his boys with the guns. Yeah, and exactly. now he's standing there. But like you're telling him, like, leave the guns and the drugs in your home. Yeah, now you're not understanding. Come with me. His like, pay, I, I didn't really get like... like big, biggest it, thing was, I'm not coming if I got to leave my peoples behind. That's right. He was being loyal to them. Gotcha. So he said, I don't give a fuck gotcha, about gotcha. the money. I don't give a fuck about the show. If my peoples can't rock with me, I'm not going even and if you can. And he just had a bad experience in Toronto. There's no way you're getting right? it. Right. And then on top of that, his guys are getting bum searched. They're getting yeah. fucking dogs. They're getting cavity surge. One's about to get deported. Yeah. So he's feeling like Canada is seriously disrespecting him and his crew. Right. 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 Exactly. So, so no matter what kind of pussy I brought or what kind of money was on the table, he wasn't coming. And you know, in his defense, even if he wanted to, which obviously he didn't, but even if he had wanted to, like he would have been totally done with his peoples That's had right. he gone and been like, oh, Maybe. for a bag, I'm just willing to. Throw you guys right. all under the bus, literally. Right. I, you know that I don't know, but but I just feel like right. that, that could have been. That was, yeah, that's a that's mentality, a fair assessment. You know what I'm saying? Most probably. If me you know and you I mean? were going to New York together for that's a bunch right. of meetings and you don't make it because it. you have a problem at the border or the label or whatever disrespects you and you that's set up it. the meeting, I'm not going to be like, oh well, thanks, Ricky. I'll that's see you it. back in Montreal. You'll be like, yo, this no. dude's a piece of shit. Like, well, that's it. Mm -hmm. So he was like that kind of guy. Yeah. So when he said that to me, you knew it was like, yeah, there's no kind of dude then. Huh? That's a stand-up guy at that point. You can't be well, mad at him, right? Well, like I you're... wasn't mad. I just told Gary I'm not coming there. <laughs> well, it wasn't his show, so you <laughs> know he was just trying to Fair. you know use his talents to try and finagle whatever yeah, he could you know, to Gary's save the situation. My boy, even though I didn't come in on the show, it didn't mean I didn't support it. I didn't sure. have love for it. You know right. what I mean? And I would do anything for hip hop if need be. Where's you know? Gary now? Gary's still around. He's still doing his thing. I bumped he's, into him recently. Yeah, he's a, he's he's living in NDG, working, got a job. You know. Okay, and has he done shows in nah, the last? No, he's out. No, he's out of that. He lost appetite three okay. years ago. But he was there he, before you, so yeah, you're talking you, like even pre hip hop. Yeah, he's dating. Yeah, he was. He's seventies. Yeah, he was. No, he was doing it like early, early eighties. Early eighties. Yeah, he was doing the early eighties, okay. and then he brought me in around the mid eighties. I was doing. I was doing parties in like the eighty two, eighty three. I was doing parties. And what but, kind of stuff was spinning back then? Oh, well, you, like you said party well, music but like I'm curious like well, yeah, there, was was, lot, was, there was there was a lot of, there was a lot of disco there was a lot of soul going on and that was the music that was really being played you know you had a lot of roller skating places like Caesar Palace in the south like Montreal really yeah you had one called Caesar Palace the Recreotech in Laval I remember you have, that. yeah that's still open I think Recreotech still, still exists I yeah um, you know you had the track in Cotonege on Victoria and La and I think Lavoie, just below uh, um, Spices there, um, when just before you go underneath the underpass on your right near Cotonesh Plaza. Yeah, there was around there back there. There was mm -hmm. a, there were warehouses there right along the train tracks. So they used to have a place called the Track, which was another you know. And this is where hip hop also got introduced because they started to bring it into the room in order to satisfy the kids who wanted to hear this music. And they didn't want to hear disco. They didn't want to hear Gloria Gaynor hmm. and all these others. They weren't into no Dancing Queen and all that shit. They hmm. want to hear something a little bit more Funky. authentic for what they were looking for. So this kind of forced them in order to start to change the music rotation. And, and by doing so, they got more and more kids into the room. Speaking of that, tell me real quick about bring Big Daddy Kane for the first time to James Ling High School. Mm, mm. That was an experience and a half. Well, I can imagine. School. No, that was an ex that was an experience. That was dangerous. Half. No, man, it was cool. You know, Big yeah? Daddy was 
All these guys. Big are Daddy cool. was smooth, bro. Yeah, he was a ladies' man. He yes. wasn't bringing but no gangsters. But you think of high school, like like security wise, and just like like no, who can man. cut James right? Lane. You know, thank you, James Lane. Thank you. Um, what's the other school up there? Up on uh, damn man, Marymount. Mary okay. Marymount. <laughs> you know, see, these are the schools that we started going to afterwards because you know when you started to do shows. You need a bigger capacities. At the beginning, we were doing the community centers, right? The black community centers in Montreal, in the west end of the city, and then once we started to get into the shows, we started to go into these places, gotcha. and we started to do the high schools because only the high schools would rent to us. You know, there wasn't Metropolis back then was the nightclub. It mm. wasn't even. Um, a venue at that time. But let me ask you, these high schools, which are obviously government, right. you know, buildings or whatever, they weren't like weary or apprehensive to well, yeah. to rent it to you guys for a hip hop? They weren't really government. That's where you, they were, they were like, you know. Privately The run. private, you know, you had the Protestant school board. Okay. Uh, the English school board. So they board. just needed the money. They right. were like, well, and, 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 you know, take and, and they were people that were closer to you than say, you know, some French entity sitting in Quebec City telling you no. I got you. They were people from the community that you could that, right, talk to. And they saw once again it, they were accessible. They saw it as 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 a way of giving the kids an opportunity to get okay. off the streets so, and right. to and you know what I mean. So they were supportive. They were supportive to yes. a certain degree. They were supportive. Plus, they could use the extra cash. So that money, we were bringing. money talk basically. Money, yeah, money yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah. So so how did that? I mean, I saw that footage. It must have been 88, Big Daddy Kane, James Lang. It was so dope. It was, you know, those days, it was beautiful, you know? And I, I had such an amazing time, you know? That's and nice. working with guys like Gary and them was, you know, a real eye-opener. And that was also the beginning of working with one of my, my, my dear friends, a guy named Perry Giannis. Remember Perry, the Greek mm -hmm, guy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we started working with him with Public Enemy in 1988 wow. with uh, William Morris. William Morris at that time, Kara Lewis. Kara who Lewis. Was, who that was, was Guru's uh, agent. Right. She was like the agent to hip-hop. Yeah. Like, if you were serious Cara, in the hip-hop game, Lewis she had you. Mm -hmm. And when she had you, she delivered. Mm -hmm. You know, there was all these other ones, other agents who eventually came about in the mix from different agencies and all of that but a lot of them were like janky shit was sketchy Kara Lewis the right. agency group right she mm -hmm. was she was at you know Warner Music she was at Warner Music originally yeah not Warner Music excuse me William Morris William Morris sorry William and then Morris. she went to the agency later no now she went to CAA oh that's right and that's then right. from CAA she has her own agency now okay. which is called the Kara Lewis agency group mm -hmm. um, so she was legit, so she started giving us a lot of these shows. I remember um, one time we got uh, we got uh, Cypress Hill. Nice. Didn't know much about Cypress Hill, and we knew a bit about him because we were starting to filter true. Mm -hmm. And she sent us the artwork, and the artwork was this big weed emblem. Sure. Right? A marijuana leaf. And we're like, yo, we can't use this. <laughs> <coughs> and she said... Use the fucking thing. Okay, we're going to use it. So we used it, sold them out. Wow. Sold them out. You didn't have problems with the cops and like, no, all that no, bullshit? No, no, Let me ask and you, I, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. I'm curious to hear from, not just from those days, but in general, what have been some of the biggest challenges 
you've faced advocating hip hop, bringing these shows? What have been some of the, some of the biggest challenges that you've? Some faced? of the biggest challenges back then was just getting them across the border, and 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 learning the business. You know, you know, we didn't have mentors, we didn't have people in that were older than us that knew the game. You see, like now I can mentor a kid that's coming up in the business if they're serious. But back then, there was none of that. So we didn't understand how to get people into Canada. We didn't understand paperwork. We didn't understand criminal records. Of course. We didn't understand anything. We liked you. We called the agency. We bought you. That was it. You know? Mm-hmm. So that was, that was a major, major hurdle back then. You still have it to this day. You know? Less of it because... Um, we're more knowledgeable. We understand the paperwork that's required to get you into the country. Sure. And even sometimes that don't even work. But, you know, but the, the problem is now is that now they can go and Google your name. Mm. Back then, there was no Googling anything. That's there right. was no web. That's right. So they didn't really know who you really were unless your name flagged up. Mm-hmm. So as long as we started to understand the game and, and did the paperwork, mm-hmm. they would be cool with it. They wouldn't be able to go and look and see if you said something yesterday or you did something over here because mm-hmm. shit is spontaneous. Now that's what they do. Mm-hmm. They sit up there, they look not only at what you did yesterday, but they're looking at what you're doing today and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So it, it becomes a lot more trickier. So if you're an artist that did things in the past and kept it in the past, that's cool. Mm-hmm. We, we can get you in. But if you're one of these guys like a Kodak Black. Who's running around causing right, stories. You know what I mean? They're not trying to have it. Right. You know what I mean? They go, they Google you today. They look and say, yo, Reckless. you just did this. You just did that. Why should we let you in? Mm-hmm. So that was a major problem. Um, also, major problem was, was getting venues. Because of the violence that was associated with hip hop, the street gangs, the thuggery and everything. Because that's what it evolved into. Mm-hmm. A lot of venues didn't want to put on these shows, or if they did. At one time, we were banished from Metropolis. Andre Menard and them from the Jazz Fest and them would not let us do a show in there for like at least 10 years. Wow. We, what we, what we, caused that? Um, Wycliffe Jean. Wycliffe. We did Wycliffe, and we sold them out, but there was another 2,000 people outside who wanted to get in, so they started fighting outside. So he and they just, associated that to right, and then he just shut it all down, like to the point I tried to bring in D'Angelo, and right. he wouldn't it's an even, singer. he would yeah exactly, and he wouldn't even do it. I had to go to Chad Dunleavy and get Chad to write something up. Who Shout was, out Chad Dunleavy. Right, who, who, are, who are some of the best people in this city that you've worked with? Club owners uh, that that always accepted, that never had supported. I, I'll you know? tell you, I'll tell you, some of them that was, bias because it's always it's racially charged. I'm sorry. Uh, the Metropolis was before the Jazz Fest got it. Mm-hmm. They were amazing. They used to have a guy in there. His name was Sean Pilot. Okay. Sean was one of these guys. He wore the same jeans every day for years. Mm-hmm. He used to have his scarf. He was known to be shooting hair on, but nobody could see the nails because he always wore the jacket. He was skinny, but he was brilliant. Mm-hmm. He was brilliant. He loved us, and he gave us access to his room, the Metropolis. So then, you know, one day I saw Sean. I said, Sean, what are you doing now? He's with the opera in Toronto. Wow. Still the same Sean, dressed the same, looks all funky, look like he had bathing weeks. <laughs> so I said to him, Sean, give me a business card. How do I find you? 
So you want my business card? He says, okay. So he gives me his business card. So I take his business card and I look at it and I said, Sean, there's no phone number. <laughs> there's nothing on it but your name. And he says, you know how to get in touch with me. Wow. <laughs> that That's was sick. It. That's sick. Good that for him. It. I knew how to get in touch with them. Yeah, if you need so, them. So, it's you for know, those who know business. Yeah, stuff. you understand? So it wasn't like... If you can get to me, yeah, this is my name. That's, this is I like right. that. Exactly. That's kind of G. Yeah. That's kind of G. He was like, well, you know how to get to me. So I was like, yeah, I do. You don't need the fucking card now. So I took the card, put it in my pocket, and then that was it. But that's the kind of eccentric guy he was. Of course. But he loved us. And then eventually he sold the Metropolis to them. Uh, they did the show with us. There was a woman named Michelle Nevere who retired eventually. She was like, did not want that music in there. And when the shit happened outside, it was a, it rap. Was a rap. And then we lost that room for many years. We floated around doing different venues. I have uh, a question, doing, Ricky. Yeah. Um, you've been doing this obviously for your life pretty much. And um, when you when you have to be that man consistently for that long, right? And it's been 20-something mm. years. Mm -hmm. Do you ever want to say no to certain shows and you have to take them? Is that All like the part of it, right? Like, I always Is that, is that like, like a necessity? It's kind of like if you want the retro Jays, you got to sell the shitty ones. It, it, you know? Right? Like, I feel like <laughs> right? that's like part that's of how like... Nike works. I, I say like this, you know? It's like before you can get to the, the, the slim girl, you got to have the, the fat girl, <laughs> right? How many of us have screwed the fat girl in our lives fair, fair. to get to the pretty skinny one? <laughs> I'm not saying the fat girl wasn't pretty. Don't get it twisted. No, well She's said. Just well said. It's just what the situation but calls But it's just, for. you know, everybody wants the slim chick, right? Mm -hmm. But in order to get to her, you got to fuck the fat one. <laughs> I like that. Right? So <laughs> I had to fuck a few fat ones in order to get the pretty one. Hey, it, and I'm it doing it to this game. day. <laughs> I got a show right now. Still taking one for do, the team. Right. You know, I got a show for Plas Bell I'm going to do next year. And the guy has this other artist. He's jacking me up. And I got to do it. Because if I don't do it. I ain't, I'm not going to get the next one. Yeah. Even though I did the next one before. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you're into me, I'm into you. You're going to make the money back at the next one. It's always a give and take. It's always, you know, you just can't, you just can't get up there and think that you can just go in and, and be a prima donna and pick and choose right. what you want. You can't you know? cherry pick in this game. You know, not, not, not in my position, you know, if I was like going to an event or something where now, you know, I can't do that because I'm buying, you know, X amount of shows from you per year and you're into me. So you're co-producing, I'm, I'm imagining a lot of different shows with, with, with different companies now, or yeah. is it still largely just you and maybe an investor? No, what's, no, what's, where I, are you, you at? People bring them in for full tours and then you buy one show. That's or are it. you there before the tour even like uh, accumulates? A bit of both. He buys the Montreal dates. I buy the Montreal dates. But what date. I mean is, do you co-produce shows with yeah. event co's or yes, companies yes, like that? Yeah. Sure. What happens is a lot of times, um, when I co-produce a show with Evanco, it's usually because I was the promoter of record. Evanco mm -hmm. never brings me into a show unless I was the originator, the, the promoter of record. If they get the show first before I do, then they never bring me in. Got you. 
but if you were the first one to deal with the, with, with the artist right, and the agent and right. they're like we have yes. this relationship with Ricky yeah, yes. you guys will do it together right which is cool which is very which is the, very respectful because a lot of guys wouldn't even give you the time of day yeah of course to tell you fuck you Props. and that's it and I'll go and, do and I, and, I, and I think that speaks to the kind of business ethic and, yes. and professionalism that Eventco yes. has yes. which is why they're in power and deserve to be in power you know, because when, we'd rather have people who know what the fuck they're doing well, they're, you know a lot of those guys that are there that are, that are now senior management you know they grew up in NDG they yeah they're all our people so. right they're, you know they're, they're guys who was booking ska and reggae back in the 80s of course, of course. Uh, like Dan Webster back in the 70s you know they're guys who get it they just they just gone a little bit corporate because that's just the name of the game and what they got to do so they could do certain things but there's certain things they cannot because they're caught up in that corporate game structure mm-hmm. and but still when there's an opportunity to break bread, they break bread. Or they'll come to me and they'll say, you know, Ricky, we got to show at the Bell Center. Um, we'd like you to promote it for us. Mm-hmm. You know, like certain shows is beyond my capabilities money-wise mm-hmm. that, you know, I can't invest into it. Like I'll give an example. I had Rust. Mm-hmm. Russ is this artist that I, I brought here originally to Montreal. Mm-hmm. Did he do Metropolis the first time? Uh, no, he did uh, Club Soda. Let me soda. tell you still okay. with him. Had him. Uh, I knew nothing about this guy. He sold out. What, whatever. And I just, and um, he was like, want to come to Canada? Kara Lewis sold him to me. Kara said, take the fucking show. I'm like, Kara, I don't see nothing. Now. She said, take the fucking show. It's going to pop. Show. His numbers are good. Right? That's and a good I'm show. Like, so I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to put him in Club Soda. Yeah. So I put my event. And this is why Facebook is bullshit, mm. right? And all of this is bullshit. You need to have a pulse on the streets. That's right. Because if you don't, you don't know what's up. Oh, I look at Facebook. 200 people attended. 200 people. Sounds You're low. like, oh, fuck, this show, this show needs to be at the Bowbot at 200 capacity <laughs> yeah. room. Too fitting. You're like, I'm going to get right. fucked. I'm going to get fucked. I'm going to lose some G money here. Right? Next minute, this guy just sold it out two days. I'm like, okay. Because he had a strong core following. Right. So then I said, then I get a call from the agent. She said, move it up. I said, move it up. Move it up. Bring it to Olympia. 2,500 people. I said, all right, let's get it. You know what I mean? He just sold it out in two days with 200 people. So how did you? How were you able to back out of Club Soda and switch venues? So Club Soda doesn't care. I told Club Soda I paid. You can't handle right. Oh, oh, they kept the deposit, and you're like, sorry. I gave them, you know, I gave them a fifteen hundred dollar cancellation, and I moved it to the big room. I said, you can't handle this guy. Shout out Patrick, by the way, good friend of mine from Olympia. Yes, I love Patrick. Patrick's the man. You know, great. Patrick took me in and gave me a home. Okay, so you're still. That's my dude, man. Yeah, That's I know my Patrick. I know die. Patrick from back in the day. Patrick Levy gave me a home. You know, we need to bring you and him on here. Oh man, that'd be crazy. Because I was telling him <laughs> about the podcast, and you know, yeah. he's always like, "Oh, well, just let me know." <laughs> oh no, he's mad cool. You know, he's 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 been one of my allies. He's helped me a lot when I had nothing. Yeah, 
Uh, you know, he would come on. He would back me in the room. He would back me with the artists. And it's a beautiful venue. Yeah. For oh. for anybody who's not from our city or who hasn't had yeah. a chance to check it out, maybe yeah. else is old school. Olympia, the Montreal. Uh, oh, Olympia, excuse me. Olympia, Montreal. Be- beautiful venue. It looks like a grand fucking theater, immaculately what's, clean. What's the one on Park Avenue that's really lit? Rialto. I think, Rialto right? yeah. is old school like that too. Yes. There's there's similar like wood style vintage Victorian vintage, Victorian. Cool shit. You Me, know, I think Olympia's the best the venue one, for that for that mid range. And, and he's you know, and he's he's he keeps investing into his room. Absolutely, he doesn't just keep it all grimy and shit. Absolutely, he, you know, he he goes and he invests to make his room top notch. And he's a great businessman. Yeah, and very a, easy and pleasant yes, to deal with. Yes, he he yes. owns Olympia or yes, he he's one of the owners. He's one of the owner. He's part of the managing partners. Okay, better. That's a better right. phrase for him. He's one of the managing partners of the room. So he gave me a home, brought me in, and because uh, at that time, uh, Andre Menard and them were still owning Metropolis. Mm-hmm. Avenco hadn't bought it yet. Gotcha. So you were still on the outs with them. right. Mm-hmm. So you know, and then he gave me a room where I could start to do these shows. And at that time, you know, uh, Olympia was like being muscled out of the business kind of because when Patrick decided to take over Olympia, um, the Jazz Fest people had the place. Mm. And they so wanted politics. they wanted they wanted the building. And Patrick and his partners didn't want to sell it. Mm-hmm. So they decided they were gonna muscle them and try to block them from getting any shows. So Patrick went from doing fifteen shows a year to being in the top ten in the world, according to Polestar, in 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 under five thousand capacity rooms. Wow. And, Bravo. And, and yes. So he he's up there with the Metropolis, putting out shows like crazy amount of shows huh. per year. So you know, he went from there, and I was one of the guys who came in in the early, and started bringing hip hop into the room. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember because um, I remember I was always talking to Patrick even before he he launched the project and came in and everything. And then I remember you guys did Action Bronson, and I was with uh, Mayhem right. a couple years ago. So we right. had taken him out, and then uh, I, I I think Mayhem just put me on his list. And Patrick True. was like, "What are you guys doing here? Like, why did you call me?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I just came to say hi." No, to he them. was mad cool. Like my first show I did with him was uh, Black Star. Mm. Mm. That was my first show I did with him. Uh, how did. many years ago was that? Oh man! I remember the flyer for seven, that one. eight yeah. years ago. That was right at the beginning of me, by the way. That's just, right. That's like, right. I think that was one of the first ones that I went right. to one of your shows because I was working with David Hodges, right? And everything. we've done stuff together, right? But David came and watched the show and everything. So that was the first show I did. It was sold out. He loved it, you know. And that was the beginning of our relationship. And then I continued to bring a lot of other shows. And he continued to support me to this day. He still supports me on that level. Speaking of that, we've gone through, you know, nightmare situations. You know, Biggie not making it through the border. What are some of the most memorable artists you've worked with? Some of the craziest, most amazing experiences Left you've an had? impact, right? Because um, you, you're the, like, give me the, the events that really just stood out. Career oh defining. The Roots. Why? When we did it in the Savoy. Mm. which is the smaller room in the Metropolis upstairs. Well, I could see that intimate. Actually, I think I was was even there. That was a two and a half hour performance. Yes, and they came through the crowd. Yes, They didn't come on stage. right. They came through the crowd like a marching band. Yes. You know what's crazy that you say that? And I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I promise, Lemmy, I will never interrupt our guests again. 
that show to me was one of the dopest <laughs> live shows <laughs> I've ever seen. Look, and I get toured, bro. I yeah, get, yo, I get goosebumps. I, I say just this all the time. It, it just like like it was an still. energy that I had never seen since. Uh, I've toured the world with Guru and Gangstar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've met Tupac. Right. Uh, I've had some pretty mind-blowing moments myself, exactly. you know, being uh, next to Guru on stage while he does, you know, all of his classics exactly. and just like looking at, and I'm, and I'm, wow. I'm his wow. hype man. And I will still say that show, Ricky D, The Roots, Metropolis was, uh, was unbelievable. And The Roots, I think was on their second album. Correct me if I'm wrong. Illadelph Half Life. I, I'm I'm not sure it was the second or the first. I can't remember. I don't. It's a long time. I know I did the show. It was me. Matter shout out to Victor Schiffman from District Six. I wow. did it with him and uh, and Andre and Andre Lawrence, and we did this show. And this show was off the chain. I've never ever to this day seen a two and a half hour performance by any rapper, especially mm. a live band. Like this was this was just one of those those like epiphany moments yes. where you just you just really see what this music's really all about. Yeah. And then, you know, that was a crazy experience. Uh another one was um the well, Wyclef, I was gonna say I hope. Wyclef, right? but but Wyclef with the Fuji's, with the roots. Okay. With Goody Mob. Ooh, okay. I remember, but I wasn't and, there. And Destiny's Child was there. Nice. And came on stage. What was the venue? Uh, it was the Metropolis. Okay, Metropolis as well. That's where Sean Pilot had the had the place. And Goody Mob tour? was on fire back right. then. Was and this a tour, Ricky? This was a tour. And um it was it was crazy. And and I met I met Destiny's Child. I saw these girls with these incredible bodies, and then I, <laughs> I saw them with their parents. And I'm like, who are they? Why are they here? <laughs> and, then, and then I'm like, uh, they're, they're a chaperone. That was his, the mother and the father, Matthew Knowles and Tina Knowles. I met Matthew there. back in the day at right. Sony when he used to have an right. office up there at Sony. You know? And um, he, um, he said, yeah, these are my daughters and this is my daughter's group and all of that. And we're, they were underage, but they had incredible bodies. They looked, you know, in their 20s back then, right? A 16-year-old and, Beyonce. And that day up. I almost got into fight too with Lauren Hill's tour manager. Because, mm. uh, you know, they all had, the Fujis at that time now were all starting to have their own tour managers now. Okay. And, and That was her, the beginning of the end. Right. Shout out to Praz. Praz yes. is a good friend of mine. Actually, yes. I took him out last time he was here a couple of years ago for the Black Film Festival or right. Haitian Film Festival, I think it was cool. actually. Well, you know, he has kids from a Canadian Montrealer. Yeah, I did know his, that. Yeah. His kids are, you know, and the, the, his baby mother, well, I shouldn't say baby mother, it's the wrong term, but the mother of his children passed away. Oh, yeah. She had, a, she had um, MS. Wow. And she was taking. The medication in the U.S. and that kind of medication will make you have depression thoughts. Okay. So she got depressed wow. and she killed herself, wow. hurt herself. But you know, God rest her soul, Sherry. But uh, yeah, that was that was a show, man. And uh, I got into a major argument with him. I, we were going to fight because <laughs> he told me Lauren said you could put people on the speakers because it was that packed. Mm -hmm. You can put people on the speakers. I said, okay, on the speakers. 
He comes, oh, what the hell are you doing? What the fuck? I didn't tell you could do it. And he's coming. I'm like, yo, man, chill the fuck out, man. Right. The fuck you talking to me like that? She's like, ah. I said, listen, man, fuck you. All right? Don't fucking talk to me like that. So then them guys came in and cooled it down and all of that. And I said, go talk to your fucking artist because she's the one who told me to do it. There you go. And then I realized she was just an instigator. Mm -hmm. But you know what I mean? Because that was a part mm -hmm. of her game, right? Mm -hmm. So she said they were to, at friction. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> she was like, let me fuck right, with this guy. Right, let me fuck with this and fuck up this whole, this whole. but wow. the place was crazy, yeah. crazy packed. It was, yeah. it was Fuji's were larger than life at that point, oh, yeah. and especially us having such a huge Haitian community. Yes. This was this was a hot, yes. hot, hot yes. place for the yes. Fuji's, yes. a big yes. stop for them. And um, I did stop. I did some private parties for Wyclef here. Hmm. Oh, I could. That were fucking I remember retarded. one at Coquinos. Yes. That you I did guys it. did. I did one there. I did one at the old uh, Taha Beach Club on mm. Stanley Street mm. on top of the Ship Prairie. I had to shut mm -hmm. it down because it was just at Made one o'clock, I had to shut it down. It was just, it was just too much, and I, I couldn't control Were it. Were you part of the Bell Center show when it was the Molson Center? Sorry, yes. Uh, Fuji's yes. Tribe in Cypress. Hill. I still have the flyer here. Yo, I remember that show. That I was, was that was a groundbreaking I was show. Fourteen years old. And we thugged our way onto the floor. I was there with a couple of my older homies. Shout out my brother TFS. And uh, we went on the floor and we were in the pit. And I had the best. The, there you go. There you go. Just lift it up a little bit, Ricky. Yeah, exactly. I had the best time wow. ever. Wow. And I had such a good time. When I came home, I'll never forget, I had an all-white polo rugby, and there was a footprint <laughs> wow. on my back. Oh, like, that's what a good time, I mean, everybody was so yeah, rowdy. Yeah, yeah. It, that was, somebody it was, no, you know, back. it was beautiful times, and I didn't even. Yeah, th that was a beautiful yeah. show. That and the other standout show, KRS-One, Step the, Into at, a World, The Rapture's the, Delight at, at, Tour. At the Spectrum. <laughs> That was retarded. You, I did that tour with know, me and Perry. And, and, Gary, and Rascals did, was the opening that's act. It. And we did Montreal, Ottawa, and Toronto. So I went to another early hip hop story for me before I really was you know, in the business. Mm -hmm. I went to Vibes when Vibes first opened. Right. And they did a little in-store, the Rascals. Right. So uh, I rapped for the Rascals manager at the time, Saul Guy. Of course, you know Saul. Of Shout course. out Saul. Yeah, OG. And a uh, big pioneer in Canadian hip hop. Uh, he was over at BMG at That's the time. Right. And he was like, you know what, kid? Like, I was 14. You could rap. Like, come to the show with us. Roll with us. So I met, like, the New York City Breaker guys right. that KRS had brought to do the whole step mm -hmm. into a world part, spinning mm -hmm. on their heads and all that. And it was another, like, Roots moment where yes. I'm like, oh, my fucking God. Mm. Yes. I have never seen one man and a DJ. No gimmicks, nothing. no fireworks, no pyro, nothing, no nothing. nothing. Just command the crowd. No that was effects. the real art of MC. Yeah, so yeah, when people yeah. say, who's the greatest live performer hip-hop-wise? Yes, Busta's energy is incredible. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah, yeah. LL is incredible. A lot of people sleep on LL live performances. I, I hate LL. He was... He he was an idiot. If you ask me who was the worst. <laughs> but he, he knew how to rock the shit, He knew though. how to rock the shit. But <laughs> he was the worst, man. His, like... His like skills with the promoters and oh talk. yes, if he, if he was, was Hollywood, I don't, I don't, I, yeah, I never and he dealt was with Hollywood him on before level. Hollywood was. But he, he was the original Hollywood. Yeah. Though. He wasn't even there yet, and he was like, yeah, straight tripping. He was one of the worst to deal with. 
I do believe you, but I just mean as those old school MCs. But he could rap his ass off. Knew how to control the crowd. Oh, he, I'm talking about mic yeah, control. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people love KRS. I never thought KRS was in my top, you know, five lyricists. But top live performers, you wouldn't think KRS. But let me tell you, that show, he had, and Ricky remembers, the entire crowd, like a heartbeat, yeah, 2,000 people like this jumping. It was a you never show. Saw that. We, we sold that whole tour out. We did three dates, and the three dates were popping. Another great one I, I did that was amazing, but it was a bit frustrating at first because I thought I was going to have a riot, was Nas, when I did Nas Elmatic. I remember And that. I brought him with Jay Rue, the damager. And it was a weird venue, right? We what did, was the venue? No, we did McGill University. That's it, that's it. Uh, we did uh, on McTavish An Street. auditorium or something. Yeah, their, their ballroom, McGill Ballroom. We did. See, that yeah. I feel is a security yeah. concern. It, like, was, it was weird because... Tim's, uh, Blunt's, Gold no, Teeth. No, everything. It was you know, everything. but that was the era, right? That was like the... the, yeah, the it, was, it was something. The and, knucklehead uh, era. He didn't... We, we were trying to get him out of his hotel room because that night Chicago was playing New York mm. in the Eastern Conference Final. And, and that retired motherfucker and would not leave the room, bro. And I had a curfew at McGill. Of course. And people were going fucking about to go buck wilding up in the fucking place. And I'm begging him, yo, I need you to come, man. I need you to come. Because, you know, He's up there watching the fucking New York getting smoked by by Jordan. You know, what, Jordan was, was just Jordan putting though? it to them. You know what I mean? That's what Jordan. I think that was just Pippen. Nah, that was no, when Jordan was Jordan, no. Jordan was there at that time. Okay, okay. And um, yeah, it was. It, it ended up being an amazing show. I don't think because when he came in the room, the place erupted. Right? You know, luckily, my peoples, my hip hop peoples, understood who I was, and this is where it goes back to. Your crowd knowing you and you knowing your crowd. That's right. Because if they trust you, mm -hmm. they will maintain the peace. That's right. That's right. If they see you about to let go of it, then they're going to let it off. That's right. But they hold it for me because they knew, one, he was in the city. Two, they knew he was in his hotel room. And three, they knew he was watching the motherfucking game and I needed to get him out. And once I got him out, it was on. It's on. And he fucking went up there. Destroyed. Did his thing. But then he fucking forgot his lyrics. Because he was so fucking high <laughs> that he forgot a portion of his lyrics on a, I can't remember the song, but he forgot a portion of his lyrics. But it was, for that moment, it was great. Um, another one that was. How about outdoor? Well, maybe the biggest, the most most tickets sold. I'm curious. We Smoking did Grooves store? Smoking Grooves. Smoking Grooves was the biggest? Yes, we did that with uh, Buster and uh, Wycliffe and Gangstar. Maya. Gangstar. Cool. Yo, Gangstar was killer, man. When we did Gangsta, it was fucking killer with killer. Guru. And then we did killer. Guru alone at the area. That was fucking nuts. That was me and you. Yeah, yeah. that was fucking nuts. You know, Jean-Fred came to see me. I think we were up at Solid Gold one night. And okay. this was early when they were talking about, you know, mm. launching Aria and all that. And he says, you know, I hear you with all these guys in New York. Like, who could you bring? And I'm like, well, Guru's my big brother. So you want to start with Guru? And that was the beginning of developing that relationship. And then uh, the owner of Aria would, I guess, give all the you know promotions to Ricky to do because I was on the that. road I with Gangsta. That, that was a yellow flyer. We did. With I Ari still have it in and my studio. I, and then I did him before that, I believe, with Gangsta when we did um, the Jasmine Taz album. 
Yes, but I, I don't think it was. I think it was Guru, and he was touring with some jazz musicians. Yeah, I did that. Sh- I did right that before. show. Too. I think that's right before I signed with him, like yeah. the year before. Yeah, I did that show when he came down. <clears throat> that was that was incredible. But the Aria shows were great. No, like we yes, all yes. had such a good time. Great venue. We all had such a good time. Mm. Aria was always another venue that was very supportive of hip hop was Aria because they were competing for a market share. Sona was on its way out and they wanted to establish themselves as the main guys that were bringing in both hip hop and electronic. You know, John Fred, he didn't like hip hop, but he respected it enough to give it to the guys who did. And let them do their thing. You, me, say, you know, yeah, and, and right. we had Garrett a great crew in, in there, there of core of people. Them. Right. That was, you know, so I, like, I, res- I respected that. And at that time, too, I think we were competing with Sona. And Circus was about right. to pop and up. Circus was. And the one in Laval, too, right? Red Light. Yeah, yeah, Red Light. There we go. But we co-produced we, we co, uh, some shows with Red Light later on. Yeah. I think it was New Year's 05. No, I think I, I might have left by yeah. that time. I, was, I, didn't, I didn't do any New Year's shows with any It was all to me direct with no, them, I, I, I did a few shows at Sona. I did Raekwon at Sona. I remember. That was a good yeah, one. Yeah, I did that That was a there. great one. You know, I tried to I bring the whole. I was there for that one. Huh? Rick I think I was there yeah, for Yeah, it was, you know, it was. It was, it was Cardinal a, at Sona was actually. But, yes, but downstairs, yes. right? Yes. It was downstairs. I, I In the I basement, yes. We did um, that. So. What about, let me ask you rumors. I've heard a few rumors over the years. Ice Cube getting chased to his hotel. No, but, but you know. Is that, is that, did that really happen? I don't, I don't remember that. Boot camp having a riot. Yeah. I mean, when they yeah. came. They, in the back of the spectrum, some guy tried to grab their chain. Same I thing happened that. with Redman, and Redman beat the guy up wow. in the back. Keith uh, Murray um, yeah, getting into a fight. That, that was, uh, that was, that was the show. Keith Murray, Redman, um, Bismarck Key. Eric Sermon, and, I'm going to guess. Too Short. Oh, oh wow. shit. It was called Rap. Rap Fest, rap something ninety six, ninety five, something like that, and and they grabbed his his fucking uh, his his chain, and he went off, man. Who was the, the G-Unit guy, guy that they had pepper sprayed? I think it was Olympia or Telus. Oh, I, I don't. There was know. one guy like cut his set short, and there was some pepper. I was at the show, and I was mad. I don't, I don't think it was you though. I don't think it was one of yours. Doesn't matter whether it was mine or not. Listen, I've had lambs of mine too. And I, yo, I'm not a virgin, bro. I took all kinds of licks. Right, right. You know that's hip hop. If you can't take the hit and get up, if that's, you, if you can't take it, don't it be in the game. You know, then get out the game because 1, you know. You know how is the game now, Ricky? Like, what's what's changed? What's good about well, Montreal hip hop right you know, now? You know, it's a lot of the hipster vibe. It's you know, it's the skinny jeans era. Okay. Everybody's you know on some weird tip. You know, guys are talking about Marilyn Manson and all this kind of wonky shit. And I'm like, you know, it's, you know, it's cool. It's cool. But, you know, it ain't where I come from. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I try to relate to it because at the end of the day, um, you know, there's a lot of good, talented guys. Like, I like Dave East. I love Dave, Dave East. Dave is one of my, my favorite, like, new rappers oh, coming yeah. up that I love to He's bring. He's definitely holding it yes. down for, yeah, yes. for the traditional and yes. the new. Yes, Good Good yes. middle ground. You know, but guys like Lil Yachty and <laughs> Lil Uzi Vernon, I'm cool. They got a fan base here. Hard to relate, But they're just, they're just on some different shit, man. But you know it's cool. part of their new wave? You know who's part of that new wave, but is actually really talented? Uh-huh. Juice World. Yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm not like I'm not even saying he, him too. Like a lot of these guys, I just, you know, I'll take 
I'll take a buster anytime over there. Of course. Of course. So, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'll, I'll mess with them. I'll fuck right. with them. Because, you know, that's what it is. That's the name of the game. And you got to adapt. If you don't adapt, then you become a relic. And when you're a relic, then you're no longer useful to anybody else anymore. Speaking so, of adapting and evolving, that's actually something I wanted to touch on. You've been in this business for a very long time. Or, You've managed to, uh, you know, not only contribute. I need to get my ticket. Like, contribute ahead. so much to the scene yeah what have you been able to what what has allowed it. you to stay we'll wrap it up in five stay minutes. in the game so long on business wise because i know you were involved in all kinds of stuff outside of the promotions yeah i know you had some some involvement in some dominoes yes. franchises yes speak on you know just what you've learned as an entrepreneur what did i what have i learned as an entrepreneur because you've had to adapt yeah, and change no, and no, constantly no, just, adapt you know, in order to stay in the game. You know, at the end of the day, I love all hip-hop, even though I have a preference over certain hip-hops over another, but that's okay. It's like my son, you know? He he liked more the new age hip-hop, but he still likes, you know, some of the older stuff too. Mm -hmm. So, But that's cool because that, that'll be his generation of hip-hop. Yeah. So I get it and I got it, right? So I'm not mad at the situation. I think it, it's all relevant based on what you want to get out of it. Mm -hmm. as, a, as a producer of shows, if I want to do a Buster Rhymes, I know what kind of market's going to come for that. Right. Of course. If I want to do a little Yachty, I know what kind of market's going to come for that too. So, you know, I understand what each artist brings. And then I just try to shape my marketing and my promotion in order to go out there and get those who are into that. So how I stay relevant is by listening a lot to the younger generation. And they're not kids. They're young men and women mm -hmm. who are trying to put their name in the game. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to call them kids because that's a that's a disservice to them Good being a young man coming up in the game. Absolutely. Right? You got to respect those young players because these are the ones who put you on and keep you on. That's right. Right? So if you sit up there and you start isolating yourself and calling them kids, which I never call them, mm -hmm. because, you know, the most I might say is my son, mm -hmm. but he ain't a kid. <laughs> you understand so there's a there's a difference on that because a lot of these young men and women they put me on to things sure because you know my days of sitting up there listening to the music 24 7 are over yeah i'm a family man so i listen to it i i listen to it all the time serious radio i'm into all of that you know i'm looking at the different podcasts listening to what the mixtapes are coming out what djs are rocking in the clubs um, uh, you know, and then I have my tastemakers, the 14, the 15, the 19, the 21-year-olds who got their ears plugged to the streets, and who listens to this shit all day, every day, and they know what's up. Like, you got to bring this guy. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and I listen to them. And if it makes sense, and I can afford it, and if I can get them, then I fuck with it. So you've always been able to maintain uh, open-mindedness when it comes to which direction you you you, you gotta take. be you gotta be you know you know you don't always hit it on the nail right you know when you're in this business you're in it to win it you know a lot of guys want to come in there they think that the key to this game is to come with a bag of money and a phone number mm -hmm. and you're in it and you know sometimes that could work for you but a lot of times it don't but you know you can't come in there and get dissuaded so easily and if you don't really understand the business, then join up with others. Some guys have too much pride, mm -hmm. and they want to go out there and do their thing. And that's cool. 
but pride never paid the bills. Totally agree on that. And this you know? is a conversation that I've been having a lot lately with a lot of people like yourself who we've been bringing on. And a major reason for us starting this podcast mm. is because I think it's time for all of us to preach inclusiveness, okay, and collaboration. That is the name of the game now. Because while everybody's off trying to be, you know, uh, the dawn of the day and trying to take over shit, nothing progresses as a scene you know, culturally you know, you, like you that. You know, I understand what you're saying, but on the other hand, I, I don't like that either. And the, and, the, and the reason why I don't is because who would Bless be today if Bless didn't go out there and try to put his name in the game? Of course. Right? Who we would, all have to walk would, that line. You, you understand? We and, all have and, to and, walk and, that and, line. And it's important for that because that's how you, as, as a lyricist and an MC, you know, create your art. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm talking more on a business level. Instead of everybody trying to chop even, each other's it, it, legs and this guy's off doing this and that guy's even, off doing even that. Even in a business level, <clears throat> I, I like, you know, I, that's why I work with a lot of other people. That's I, what I'm I, saying. I, work, I do that because when we do this, it, um, it opens up the doors. I don't preach that I know. I don't have a big bank account. You know, I work at a hospital still after... You know, given 30 years of my life to so this This is business. a passion for you. This is a passion. This is a side thing that keeps the money rolling in to a certain degree mm -hmm. and allows me to feed my babies. God bless. And hopefully be able to give them one scholarship that they can take and run with it. That's a beautiful far, thing. I don't know how far they're going to run with it. But, but at least you give them a, a, a right. start. Right. And that's all I could do, right? That's as, a beautiful as, thing. As, as, a, as, a, as a man You're giving platforms to your through. kids even. Like, yeah, you just you give know, a platform for everybody. You know, my, my son, he's, he loves the music. He's not really into it like that. That's cool. He's into his own thing. My daughter, same thing. They're very astute at the music. They understand it. They listen to it. They follow it. But, you know, at the end of the day, they will choose their own way. You know, you know they're... You know, I came into the, this business out of a necessity to come out of my neighborhood, mm -hmm. Little Burgundy. I grew up in a crack infested. My uncle died of crack, had a kidney failure. I have friends and, and, and other family members that have died. I just had an uncle of mine die two years ago from fentanyl laced cocaine, okay? Mm -hmm. Because the guy he normally buys it from went away to jail and he went to somebody else, and he got that blow, and that blow was laced with fentanyl, and he jumped out of the bed and fell down, mm. and that was it. It was a rat. It was a rat, okay? So I came from that environment. You know, I'm not the smartest guy, but I'm, I'm a hardworking guy, but I'm, I'm getting tired now. I'm getting tired. We need an extra and I, and I, and I, if that's possible. I'm still out there trying to do my thing because I still got a, a few more shots left in me that I need to put out there in order to just roll it up, and then I'm done. You built yourself the old exactly. school way. Exactly. You paid your dues. Exactly. And you sacrificed having that luxury or being that flashy guy to have the longevity, which I think is such an interesting metaphor for what all these fast food rappers are doing now. The culture we live in, everybody wants an immediate result, and they're not willing to put in the work it's going to take to survive mm -hmm. in this game. And, and this is what's going on. Because it day. takes work to survive in this game. It takes work, you know. There's only a few. It's like the NBA, 283 players, bro. Mm -hmm. But there's millions that want to be that guy. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing in the rap game, right. same thing in the music game. 
There's only a few that are eating real food and everybody else is faking the funk. And what I've learned is it's very difficult to push your way in the door, which guys like us have been good, but it's even more difficult to stay in that door. And that's the art. But the, mm. the, you know, people think social media was the best thing ever that came for the music industry. In my opinion, it was the worst because... I, I'll put it to you metaphorically speaking. You got a fridge, right? Mm -hmm. If you open that fridge and you got two things in there, you're going to eat one or two of those things. <laughs> but if you open that fridge and you got 50 things to eat, guess what's going to happen? You're not going to eat anything. You're going to sample a bit, take a bit of this, take a mm -hmm. bit of that. Or you're going to take what you know. Mm -hmm. And you're going to leave everything else and in the fridge. And that's what's happening. And that's what's happening. Good music and... Uh, new projects are becoming like a needle in a haystack. Ricky, Man. do you remember, in order for you to know about Bless, yes, Bless had to have an ad in a major publication. That's right. You had to have a record at HMV, and you were already like, okay, let me see what this kid has to offer. Right no. now, there's no barometer. There's no, there's no nothing. Anybody, any clown with a laptop can throw some nonsense, on, nonsense onto the internet. There's 100,000 fucking songs being uploaded every day. We it's cannot hard. digest it. Absolutely. So no project gets a fair shake. And then everybody's like, yeah, Ricky's brother's cousin raps and bless raps. And uh, this guy mm -hmm. rapped mm -hmm. once and my little brother. And it's like, whoa. There's levels to this shit. And everything has just become uh, dumbed down. It's dumbed down. And, and you got to be blessed, no pun intended, but you got to be blessed like a Drake or something who could create an OVO and then pipeline people through. But you know you, what Drake you know? has become? Although I love Drake. Uh, I love what he's done for our country. And I think he can actually really spit. I think he's a great artist. Yeah, no, he's amazing. But check this out. What you said was in that fridge... They're just going to what they know. And God bless Drake for him making himself, you know, uh, that brand name. But Drake wouldn't be Drake if he didn't have a genuine love and respect for the culture. So all these other things in the fridge is what made Drake be well, able sure. to be, you know what I'm saying? That brand name. And all of those projects need to have a lane. Well, all of those projects need to have light. Look at them, right? If you look at a guy like Drake... Who's who had a a, a history in film? Mm -hmm. You haven't seen Drake in a film in decades, bro. I've been wondering why and why he will. He will. And the reason for it Not is because yet. he's in love with the hip hop culture. Right. One million percent. And he doesn't and and he doesn't feel that he needs to do this. He enjoys that more than being an actor. Exactly. And he's already crushing. Exactly. It. And there will be a time. I think. Maybe they will. Maybe later on in life when right. he's in his fifties yeah. and he's yeah, done doing you know, records. Right, and he Why wants not? to go back to it and use a bit of his popularity from back then as as. A but what I mean is, you know, we had these outlets, these underground tape kings from New York. Uh, you know, the taboo disc. We had places we could go discover at curated music. Very important, curated music. You remember when we went to the hip-hop section in HMV, there was a guy who would suggest, true. check out this Guru Jazmataz record That's if you're true. into this soulful shit. I think there's a major lack of curation. Credibility, so too. Cre credible curation. Exactly. So everybody's throwing everything at the wall, and the consumer is confused. Well, now what it is, it's the blogs. The blogs are sitting up there, and they're trying to take that position 
as being. But the blogs are so overwhelmed yeah. that if there's no payola Thank you. or there's no real interest, they, they just you. got no time for you. And you know, back in the day, there was five people you had to grease. Radio promotions, That's right. retail, That's right. uh, you know, conventional media, That's and right. some club guys, That's okay, right. or a That's guy right. like you. That's right. Now there's fucking 50,000 guys you have to Yo. grease. There's hundreds of blogs, hundreds of weirdo playlisters and, and you have to pay for your social media likes oh, and your facebook God, whatever it's a never-ending <laughs> black hole that can take millions from you with no tangible result you literally you literally have to as an artist now be extremely lucky in terms of your timing mm -hmm. yes luck is when preparation meets opportunity agreed and you have to be ready for when that time comes at all times right but you have to be because when you look out there and you see the, the, the multitudes of amazing, talented artists who are not even getting a fair shake at their artistry, mm -hmm. it's sad. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, but I love the time we're in, too. And I'll, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. I look at French hip-hop. Mm -hmm. French hip-hop has grown exponentially mm -hmm. in this province oh yeah back in the day you had mrf you had kclmlp they they you know they would come to the west side pick up pick up the street knowledge of it and then take it back over to the east and and introduce it when i say east and west i mean english and french mm -hmm. right and they would take it and bring it over to there and start to plant the seeds over in those communities mm -hmm. And these are the and 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 the louds and and the dead obies and the Mike and Shabs. the animals the Mike Shabs and all these guys they have to pay homage to these guys because right, these were the guys who took it over and introduced it to their community. We actually just had a couple episodes ago my boy Carlos who owns Joyride Records, right. who loud is signed to. He's a good friend of mine, and uh, we were talking about that that evolution of you know everybody wanted to look to what france was doing and now we're starting to export mm. so those barriers are slowly melting away just like drake was able to do you know on the english side with the states i believe there will be a time where we will have quite a few not just loud quite a few french exports see the the, the problem that i see my insight onto it is that um when i look at the community now once you know you had MRF, KCLMP coming board, then you had the Dumbatics and, and the Sompressions and, and the, the Mozaians mm, and the Sompressions, right. and these guys come and they opened up. The reason why France has not been as receptive to French rappers so far from Quebec is because of the language and 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 French because we tend to speak more of a, dumb it down. Slang. a, a slang here, mm -hmm. it's not well-received over there. And the reason why it's not well-received over there is because before you could be popular anywhere else, you kind of need to be popular in your own hood. Sure. If, you know, if, if you don't rep your hood and your hood don't love you, then how you think you're going to go into another man's hood and get that kind of love that you're not getting. You got to be extremely lucky, mm -hmm. like 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 Camaro. Mm -hmm. But Camaro was Arab mm. from France, who came to Quebec, who grew up here, and then took his shit back over there mm -hmm. and made it work for was him. Was able to work, yeah. Same, you know, same thing for for what's his name there, Cornet. Mm. 
another one, African, African born, African raised, came here. Culturally, they, they were placed well in right, the French culture. Right, in over in France, yeah. they knew the dialects, they knew the mannerisms, mm -hmm. so they blended in easier. They blended in And well. they introduced a North American version of of street rapping that there the French man didn't really know at that time. So then what's your take on, you know, now Loud, he's starting to get booked loud, a lot Loud to me, and like I've always said, right, Loud to me is at this moment, you have to, you have to rate him. Mm -hmm. No matter what you say or think about him, I think he's a talented artist who, in fact, will be, once he does his show, the first... French That's right. Quebec artist that does rap to go into the Bell Center as a headliner. That's right. Local artist. Okay? Yeah, Local artist. That's a big That's title. a big push. Not one but two shows. You understand? So how the how the hell are you gonna sit up there? You can't diss this man. No, never. But the game has definitely changed, and that's why I bring it up. Because whether it's the you know the 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 borders are melting away because mm -hmm. of social media, mm -hmm. information is traveling a lot faster. People are mixing a lot more. It's not as territorial as it once was. Mm -hmm. I think that stigma is slowly fading away, and I think because of you know, like you said, the the you know the luck came with the preparation and the timing. It clicked for him. I think. Like we're seeing once Drake blew the doors down, then you had Weekend and Tory Lanes and Party Next Door and so many producers and you know a lot of people are on now from Canada. Mm. You know, and and this is an interesting thing. Back in the day when I started, no. and certainly when you started, it was on heard of no. you know canadians to be exported to the states the, the culture wasn't there for it now you hear you hear dudes from atlanta talking about you know uh, i'm i'm not from canada but i do my ting like right. american dudes right. like from the south saying shit like that right. we never could have predicted that and i had this conversation do you remember spec from the dream warriors of course you know spec is a big deal now he works in publishing no he works uh he works in publishing he's 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 based in new york now and i had a meeting with him and uh we were talking about this and he said damn bless i remember when you came out with guru and i started with the dream warriors did you ever think that there would be more sessions happening for talented producers and writers in Toronto than in New York right now in terms of placement opportunity. Right. It's a wild world. And and and, and 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 I'm so happy to see Quebec is finally, you know, leaking outside of of the local market. Canada blew the doors off and I think it is a very interesting time. If there's one guy that I'm happy to see there, it's him. Mm. And that crew is incredible. Because he's, he's put his work in. And shout out my brother Rough Sound and A-Just and all the producers who've worked to make Loud's project stand out. From but Most what, importantly, what you got to thank there. Loud because Loud was the catalyst to take all of this and to make Quebec and maybe hopefully the world say, hey, I'm here. How do we take this? and transcend this where everybody eats the fruits. Ricky, I've been saying the same thing. Me and Carlos privately have had many discussions and many nights out, and we have been talking about this, and I'm so happy that you were able to come on and put shit in perspective in the unique way only Ricky mm -hmm. D can, and I'm 
we need to continue this conversation. Yeah, that's cool. We need to continue this. Thank, thank you, you so thank much you for, for being here, my brother. Thank you for having me. Thank you for all your contributions. The chicken was good. Thank you. The chicken was Respect. fantastic. Make sure you thank make you. some more of that next time. I got time. you I'm next time. Coming. Next rapture, I'm coming with chicken. <laughs> Yo, you better, you better come with some chicken. That chicken was delicious. Respect, brother. My you brother, I mean? thank you for everything you've done yeah. for the culture. Thank you for everything you've done for the city. Thank you. And continue to, to crush it, my brother. Respect. That's all I do. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. That's beautiful. You want to sign us out, Bless? Moment of truth. Moment of truth. MOT podcast. You know what the fuck time it is. It's your boy, Bless. My co-host, let me know. And of course, the notorious Ricky D, Montreal's own. This week on the MOT podcast. Respect. Blah.